everybody what's going on it's uh minefields with uh colin i'm colin and with joshua michael what's up dude hey brother what's going on you know it was free comic book day and it was also uh the uh 4th of may so may the 4th be with you all May the 4th be with you all even though i don't give two shits <laughs> i honestly i i realized i was wearing a bullet club shirt and nice. hey, that's awesome uh when i went to my comic book vendor my local vendor i went to legendary comics and picked up my stuff today and i wasn't wearing a star wars shirt and as much <laughs> as i love people who go in and out of there and buy comics and all of that the dopiest mfer i've ever seen was the one guy wearing a may the fourth be with you shirt <laughs> and uh I don't know, dude. It was just this. It was it was just a weird moment to think that I should be participating. Yeah, I thought the same thing too at work today. Like uh, I went down to the smoke shack to go smoke a cigarette on a break, and I saw my good buddy Claudio, and I was like, I know he's gonna be wearing a star solar shirt. Mm -hmm. Of course he was, and I was I was happy for him. I I was I asked him to tell me about his enthusiasm because I just wanted to vicariously enjoy his enthusiasm for something that. I just don't, I don't care about it anymore. It's so hard, man. I mean, we're going to, we're getting ready to watch a Star Trek episode. And, uh, for those of you who are, or who are uh, listening in with us, we're going to do, uh, and you probably noticed because it's presented, uh, on the cover for whatever you click to get here, but, uh, we're going to do data's day from Star Trek, the next generation. It's season four, number 11, episode 11. Um, and it's, I'm going to say it's a classic, huh? We wanted to do a fun, whimsical one. We've done all these really serious ones, and that's yeah. kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this one because it's a fun, whimsical, uh, introspective point of view into how data works, and and it 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 fascinated me because in his mind, it 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 reminded me of like a smart uh, what is it from of mice and men? It's George and what's his name? Oh, dude, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. I've never read that freaking book. Yeah, but John Malkovich, Malkovich's character. Yeah, he he. uh, Imagine if he was smart, a savant, but oh, the lawnmower man. Pretty much. (laughs) uh, Oh, wait, no, he wasn't that brilliant. He didn't have that going for him. Well, I'm just I'm just saying that, like, data is just so uh, aloof in this. Honestly, yeah, you, you don't you would never see that in any other episode because you're seeing it from his point of view. I mean, they're, they're not showing it like POV, like Doom, Doom style. But he's he's so aloof, and he's doing his <laughs> damn Doom. best at all times. He really is. I mean... Oh, my God, imagine that. Man, this... You know what? That is a, an amazing take on it. This is a guy who never fatigues. He doesn't sleep except when he wants to. He eventually does start a program to sleep because he's interested in the concept of dreaming. 
Uh, and that'll be like a season six episode, I think. Um, <clears throat> I think it's called Birthright. And uh, uh, and here's a guy who, for no other reason than he is indefatigable, can never do any less than the best possible job. You know? He does his, his, his absolute best. And one thing I love about Star Trek, and I think we mentioned this before, is that one of the main points that I think a lot of people don't understand is that it is the absolute attempt at the best possible way to communicate at all times. Yeah. We've talked about it. We've we've talked about it before. We're both speaking English. We might not be speaking the same language though, but he is, there's no lying in him. There's no exaggeration. There's no any of that. He's like, well, no, I can't answer that. And then, you know, speculate. Okay. I can speculate, you know, uh, he he does his best, and mm-hmm. God, I just love him. I, I can't wait to meet him at Colorado Springs Comic Con in a couple of months. Oh, dude, sign me up! Yeah, it's been a long time since I met him. The last time I met Brent uh, Spiner, he's way he is not Data. That man, you know, years and years and years ago, uh, Leonard Nimoy was feeling very typecast as playing a character that didn't have a lot of emotion, didn't show a lot of emotion, and uh, he wrote that book. I am not Spock. But he right. ultimately had to turn around and he wrote another book much later, I think 20 plus years later, called I Am Spock, because these guys are in love with these characters at a certain point, even if they drive them crazy. And you know uh, Brent Spiner is way more Professor Oaken from Independence Day than he is Data. But I had a sneaky suspicion he was. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When I, I mean, the guy is a riot on stage. Every time I've ever seen him at any convention... He is a riot. And I went to a uh, Star Trek convention in Burbank some years ago. And uh, it was over there across the street from Fry's over by the airport. I don't remember what hotel it was. But uh, it was when we were selling materials for the Star Trek auction that I worked on. And uh, I came in and I saw him and I'm talking to him. And, and he was just being just he's a, such a natural. He's a, he's a professional entertainer and he has a massive comic sense and uh you know i i like to shake hands with all these guys it makes me feel like i've met them and uh they usually do that it's not a problem and you get these photo ops you can pay for that they don't you know that's a thing but like he didn't want to shake hands because he'd been sick lately (laughs) i was like i get it so he was like hey fist bump and i was like okay cool so i fist bumped brent spiner it was no big deal and he uh (laughs) <laughs> that that to me was kind of funny because that was when fist bumping was not uh, so trite and overdone at this point. So to me, it was special. Right. Nowadays, I'm just when, like, uh, we don't need that crap anymore. <clears throat> the only time I've ever enjoyed the Big Bang Theory, my dad watches it all the time, mm. was when they're at Will Wheaton's house and uh, the annoying asshole is complaining to Will Wheaton that you ruined my life. Like I was there to meet you and you didn't show up. It broke my heart. And then he made it up to him at this party and all these people are at Will Wheaton's house partying and Sheldon's all pissed off for being there in the first place. And he offers him, uh, the, the last, uh, Wesley Crusher action figure that's signed that he has. And he's just so astounded and Sheldon just hugging on this guy, which apparently he doesn't do. And then out of the bathroom comes Brent Spiner, grabs it out of his hands, like, hey, I remember these things. He just rips it open. Oh. <laughs> just rips it open. And uh, 
there's a, a little tuft there and and the the other guys are like uh looking at Spiner he's like you know I've got a bunch of data dolls in my trunk <laughs> and, and he's like how much $30 10 <laughs> Oh dude they would be selling their signed action figures for a bit more than that I think 20 2 for 30 and come to my birthday party okay fine <laughs> It just, it was just, it was just, just the, the sheer joy that like, okay, you probably don't know this, Mr. Spiner, but you have to open this limited edition carrot, like something so special that should never be opened, just rips it open, just rips the guts out of it. There's no way to glue it and make it better. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I can't believe I even talked about that. I hate that fucking show. Anyway, uh, um, you know, Hey, it's somebody, hey, somebody we get listening in, has watched that episode. They'll, they'll appreciate it. Before, before we get into uh, the episode, I was wanting to bring up who else is going to be at Colorado Springs Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why we have to go. Okay. What do Rob- you got? Robert Patrick. Oh, no kidding. Wait, I think he's in uh, Dallas right now. Let me look that up. Go ahead, though. Edward Furlong. No way. Yes. Wow. And- I hope he's doing well. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's clean. I hope he, I just, I wish the best for that guy. He's an amazing actor. Ah, man, it just, what a frustrating life. I agree. And I feel like a piece of shit because I was literally about to say, I hope he's drunk when we meet him. So I'm oh, going to go dude, ahead and come on now. Re- retract that and hope he's in the best of spirits and health. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I've been around some of these guys that felt like they were wasting their time and, uh, and I'm not talking about Edward Furlong, and I'm not talking about anybody that, for less, I don't know how to, uh, you know, just be very careful with it. I just remember a guy that was so bored uh, at his signing table one time that he was, uh, he'd like wadded up a Dr. Pepper can, and he was like trying to bat it away from his table with a rolled up poster or something. And I was like, dude, that's that's not a good look. But nope. I understand if nobody, you know, do you think you're going to break even on that? You got to realize when you go to these conventions, more often than not, there's a probably a payout depending on who they are. But if you're like a recurring cast member who isn't Dwight Schultz, for that matter, um, you probably have to pay for that table and you have to fly there yourself and you have to put yourself up and you're probably paying you're shelling out for dinners. And what's more, you probably paid for those eight eight by ten glossies and all that other stuff. People are there to buy your product from you. Agreed. Agreed. And it's it's not as much of a fan experience to get to meet those folks. So when you when you uh, when when our listeners and our subscribers when you meet these these people these performers at one of these events and they're being good to you, you relish that because there is a lot of not good naturedness uh that happens with some of these folks i agree i've heard of that before especially yeah. if they're something sets them off or you know, they're still humans you just mm-hmm. remember they're humans just because they're there well also uh william shatner is going to be there oh yeah and man lance henderson henrickson yeah. i can't i can't fucking wait to meet him he has i gotta get him to sign my copy of Pumpkinhead. The one, my, <laughs> the one my mom and I have watched religiously for like probably 15 years on DVD. Dude, that's uh, legit. You're going to go in there with a, a used beat up one and, and maybe he'll give you that same experience you had with the, uh, the, uh, writer when we went to, uh, the, uh, 
DenverCon a few years ago, and he's like, this is all beat up. And you're like, no, this is my copy. I have watched this a million times. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. This is my copy. It belongs to me. And now it's like, I'm going to be buried with it. Anyway, um, uh, one last person, and this is like my coup de grace for the night. David Yost, who played Billy on the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers American version, is going to be oh there. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yes. And, Dude. like, for the past, like, three, four years, they've had, like, uh, Tommy Green Ranger. Yeah, he's uh, cool. He's really yeah, great. I've heard he's super cool, but I specifically want to sit down with this man and get him on the podcast and I want to know all about his story because that's a serious he, story. Yeah. For, for our listeners, if you guys don't know this, uh, he's, he's gay, yeah. but now it's okay. Now it's okay for him, quote unquote, to be gay, depending on what part of the country you're at. Well, you got to think about the nineties, but, but think about the nineties when it was terrible for him. He actually went to one of those fucking, uh, retreats where they tried to like get the gay out of you. Dude, I want to talk and, about that, but we gotta we gotta move on. Tell me more about David. Yeah, did, I want did. to talk to you about that because I was watching yeah. a John Oliver about that last night, and it broke my heart. It, dude, it, like he suicide, depression. He is now an advocate for mental health. He's doing everything he can to help everyone he possibly can, and I just want to talk to him at least for just twenty minutes. If we can get twenty minutes of him to talk about whatever he wants to about that specific subject, I will feel like. It'll add an extra layer to what Minefields is because that oh. is very important. Yeah, uh, very important to me. And yeah, let's move on. Let's let's watch. Uh, yeah. Let's watch Data's Day, guys. We're on Netflix. We're at zero zero zero. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I just I'm gonna move it around a bit just to make sure it, it reacts the way I want to. All right. What I don't Let like us- about this is that it pr- it it uh, buffers up to about eight and a half minutes. And then if you've got an issue while we're in the middle of this, if we have a technical issue, more often than not, that's what's going to be, you know, like our our connection didn't buffer up or something like that. Uh, And, you know, hey, we could be doing this with everybody watching the DVDs, but not everybody owns them. So and then there's every different iteration. Anyway, uh, we're going to three, two, one engage and we'll start on engage. Okay. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. One, engage. You're going to have to explain the star dates to me. Uh, nobody can explain star dates. That is a an unquantifiable, amorphous uh, time. The, time the and space first, thing? Uh, yeah. It, the first time I ever started to understand what year it was in the next generation came from my favorite, you know, the decipher star Trek, the next generation game cards, because you would just randomly pick up a, a card and it would say, this person is representative of Starfleet officers serving in sciences in 22, 2363 or something. And I'm like, it's 2363 and TNG. I can't believe it. Is it more of like a time and space thing? No, it's, it's, Think about like, you know, I mean, we have a calendar that we are operating under because of the death of Christ. It's after after death. It's A.D. And I mean, you know, the Federation, if you've got one hundred and ninety something member worlds, you've got to find some way to quantify time in a way that makes sense for everybody 
involved because it's fall on this planet on the capital. Let's say, I mean, it could be fall in Paris, uh, and it could be summer in San Francisco. And what is it? You know, the capital of the Federation is Paris, France, the capital of earth. And then the capital of Starfleet is okay. San Francisco. Help me out here. Yeah. Why is Data so attached to this woman? Because I've never seen her before. Exactly. Okay. This is uh, Kiko Ishikawa, and she is the she is a civilian. It is not determined. We don't know. But basically, the point of this episode is that she and Chief O'Brien are getting married. Data introduced them. So somehow or another, we don't know how. Probably in ten forward or whatever. Data was talking to Chief O'Brien and then made a moment of uh, of it. Say, you know, maybe O'Brien was saying he wished he could date somebody. We don't know. We just don't know. And I don't even know if it's ever explained in any of the uh, beta canon novels or anything like that. But this is the first appearance of her. If this was an issue of comics, uh, this would be a little bit pricier just because it's the first appearance of Keiko. And she will show up in all, all in all kinds of episodes of Deep Space Nine because that's so Chief O'Brien heavy, and he he nice. is a main cast member on I that love, series. I love I love Chief O'Brien. I'm so glad I gave him that sort of leeway. Yeah. So let me jump back real quick, and I know that uh, there's there we see Chief O'Brien for the first time this episode, and he's wearing a lieutenant's rank. So he didn't get demoted on Deep out. Space Nine. They just <laughs> retconned it to say what they wanted to say. You know. So he should technically have a completely different rank. Um, anyway, he's being, told that, he's being told, oh, yeah, for her happiness. Yeah, <laughs> it's over. This is the beauty of it. Data is childlike in his delivery of this information. Well, and so, like I said, yeah. aloof. Just yeah, completely aloof. And if you wonder, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to say I just love how Jordy is his best friend. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, so if you wonder, looking at, at uh, Data, who it is that he's talking to, he's talking to Commander Bruce Maddox. So if you go back to, what was it, the first, second? I was hoping about that. It was a second season. I was this, hoping for that. We, yeah. we did that already. We did that already. We didn't uh, do that episode, man, but... Yes, we did. We did not. We did not do it. We talked about it the other day because you, you were watching this one and you, you were like, who's this puff that he's writing to? It's Commander Maddox who was questioning Data's sentience and whether or not he was the property of Starfleet under, right. I guess, salvage rights. Because there's a whole me. story there. So find the episode uh, Measure of a Man in Season 2 if you're wondering who he's talking to and watch it. And unfortunately, we never see that character again. Uh, really? Honestly, it would have been awesome for him to come back in another episode but they blew it off, and I don't know why. Um, Maybe he was an asshole. The actor? Yeah. They could have just it recast happens. him. It's not that It's not that difficult to just recast somebody. Uh, I will say one of the cool things we noticed at the beginning of this episode in the cold open, Data was on the bridge. He's the second officer. So he is the third person in command after Captain Picard and Commander Riker. And Correct. so he shares the duty of being second officer and the head of the operations department. And so he was in command of the bridge during the night watch. And you noticed it right. was dark. And then Riker comes in and says, begin day watch. 
So you've got to understand that's probably something that happens every single day. Wow. Look at what that. A, Look at that Ambassador a, class ship. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But what, what sort of... How, how do you think Picard got to sleep so well knowing that Data was on command? Yeah, I mean, the first thing Data's going to do is call for help if it's necessary. I guarantee if there was... You know, we the night shift... It's routine, you know? It's It's got to be routine. Right, right. But I'm, I'm just saying that if anything did happen, you know Data's got it. Oh, whether completely. If, if, if anything happened, whether something happened in the ship, he's probably going to survive it. He's probably going to survive well enough and think fast, and you know he's going to think fast enough in order to save as many people as he can, make sure a distress call gets put out. Like oh, He's got... No matter... It, he's got it. Yeah, Data's got it, but Data's going to only have to have it until, you know, Picard and Riker are going to make it to the bridge Insta- as fast as possible. And they're only like one or two decks down anyways. They, I, right. You never see them report to the bridge in their civilian uniform clothes just being like, oh my God, this thing happened, you know? Like, that just doesn't... Right. This lady right, right here who's at Tactical... Um, I'm at a loss for her name suddenly, but that woman is the stand-in, or she's actually not the stand-in, she's the stunt performer for Dr. Crusher, and she's in lots of episodes. Oh my god, it's Mott the Barber! And that mirror, I had that mirror in my hands, we sold that for the auction. Nice. Yeah. That blue guy looks really familiar, I gotta look him up. That's Mott the Barber, and he was cutting Captain Picard's hair... In uh, in another episode, and I can't recall if it's before or after this one. You talking about the actor? The actual actor. Give me a second. Oh, I don't know. Right. He look. He looks so familiar. He is a Bolian. His his species is called a Bolian, and that's because uh, Cliff Bull, who is one of the uh, bullpen directors on the series, um. They just named him after named the species after him, and I I can't recall if it was because he didn't have any hair or what. But uh, look at this wacky wacky gal behind him. Oh wow! I love this expression Data has when he checks her out. I think we sold those scissors too, and it could have been with the mirror if I was clever. He's not, he's not listed on this. Are you sure it's Mott the Barber? Because there's Vassal. Really. Shelly Desai, and I've seen this guy in a bunch of stuff. He was in Escape from L.A. He almost looks like a fat version of the guy that played the Oompa Loompa in the Willy Wonka remake with Johnny Depp. Uh, what is that guy's name? Rand Paul? RuPaul? Ah, I can't think of it, but he's in a lot of stuff. I'm sorry, I can't come up with his name, but... Oh, look at this. This is one of the rare times we ever... See. I don't know if we ever see the... Uh, uh, the replimat on the Enterprise more than in this one episode. <laughs> the gifts. This is super <laughs> legit. I mean, think I, about I it. Everybody's got a replicator in their quarters, but maybe it's right. attuned specifically for food. This is the replimat where you can like, eh, you know, hey, I'm going to get some nice <laughs> yeah, wedding the, glasses. Yeah, but the fact that he's asking Worf for advice, I just love it. <laughs> oh, I know. I think just because Worf happens to be there. But Data would ask anybody for advice, you know? Well, he everyone's everyone's equal to him. Like, they're all on the same level to him. But except Picard 
Uh, oh, Data actually outranks Worf. He's a lieutenant commander. Data or Worf is a lieutenant. I, I I agree, but no one. But in, from what I've seen, the way he treats everyone else. Oh, he treats it's, everybody it's, equally. Yeah. Not not Picard and Riker. Of and course. Not just because and not just because of the rank. Not just because of rank. I don't believe that for a second. It's it's a rank thing. Oh, it's totally a rank thing. But I think he has a different admiration for them because they they admire him back. <laughs> I'm rarely in need of Dr. Beverly's Crusher Services. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. <clears throat> oh, her hair looks good here. I don't know if that's a wig this episode. Oh, they do so many good styles with her hair. God, Gosh. she's gorgeous. There's there's one, uh, I think it's Clues, that you watched the other day and you were asking me about it, and she had her hair back like she didn't have bangs. That perfect so 80s, good. That perfect 80s awesomeness, yeah. Well, it was 90s, but... It was still post 80s, post 80s, oh, no. early 90s. I think the 80s still existed into the 90s, at least until 1992. Because when you go back and watch, go back and look at like Batman 1989. The look at Vicky Vale's glasses. I mean, that is super mind. 80s. Look at look at uh, Michael Keaton's hair. I don't think that is a wig. God, look at Brent. Way to go, dude. God, I bet he was having so much fun. Fun. I hope so. What species is she? <laughs> Good question. She's supposed to be a Vulcan ambassador, but she is, in fact, a Romulan spy portraying a Vulcan. There were so many clues to this throughout the whole thing. As a writer, it just popped out right away. Yeah. When she was, like, inquisitive of his inquisitiveness, I'm like, okay, you're you're up to something. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Is this ship on yellow alert? Mm, I don't think yet. I, I haven't ascertained that. I feel like it was on yellow alert at the beginning of the episode when we were looking at data on the bridge. And then how did they how did they keep these screens so perfect? I mean, like they've got to be covered in fingerprints. Oh, exactly. What this is, is this is a sheet of uh, Lexan or. Or, or acrylic, which, you know, virtually the same thing. It's it's clear. Mm -hmm. And then they have a trans light. So what they would do is, you remember those transparency projectors we had in the 90s when we were in high school or oh, yeah. middle school oh, or yeah, whatever? Yeah. So they had a substance that was rather like that. And they would print the colors directly onto that. And then they would apply it with an adhesive process. And it would roll on. So then you had those screens. I used to sell those things like crazy. You'd have them and it'd be like, okay, this console has a shaped trans light on a panel and you could take it out and replace it with a different one. And then they would repaint the console episode after episode, you know, especially by the time you get into Deep Space Nine and uh, Voyager and Enterprise. Um I will always be kicking myself in the butt for not buying one of those consoles that we saw in a bunch of episodes. Uh, it's in the episode Descent Part 2. It's Lore's uh, little computer console when Data comes and gets him. But um, first, oh, favorite, first favorite moment of this is Data's got a cat. Feline Supplement <laughs> 74. Yeah. So like every, every screen you see, all of the L-Cars stuff is... Um, is uh, is a translite. 
affixed to all of that stuff we just see in Data's little office there. This is the second officer's quarters. And he could almost run the whole ship from that console, if I understand it correctly. Now, what he's touching right now, that is a uh, smoked acrylic, and those buttons are silk-screened on that. They don't have nice. to depict color. I actually have one in a in a drawer over here. Somehow or another, I got away from the auction with that, and I feel like it was a purchase. I'm trying to recall. This is one thing, one of the many things I love about this show, is that people always atone, and they always apologize, and they always fi- try to figure out a way to f- make things better. Yeah, they're and genteel. That is such a absolute necessity to be functional on the Enterprise. If you fuck up, you got to make it right. And they don't hold back about it. I messed up. How can I? Like when Worf was uh, when Worf was questioning Data uh, when he was in command, and Data pulled him into uh, the uh, observation room and was just, "I don't appreciate this." Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you talking... What episode was that? I know what you're talking about. And uh, he... Watch it, he's like, yeah, you, you've questioned everything I've said. You know, I think, you know, like... Like, they get in a little bit of an argument. He's like, no, you're not going to argue with me like that. And then Worf was like, I'm sorry if this affected our friendship. I know, dude. That was hardcore. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. But, but he's like, no, we're, we're still friends. It's fine, just... You know, don't fucking do it again. <laughs> and he didn't even reprimand him. Nothing went on his sheet. Fine. I know, yeah. This you doesn't need to, to go in your log. It's quick. all right. Yeah, yeah. So I know this is something you don't particularly know, but when you when if you ever get a close-up look at these uh, screens we've been talking about, you'll see some goofy little Easter egg things, some hidden stuff in there. Um I highly recommend it if you're a fan of the series and you haven't ever picked it up. Check out your library or go to any go to a lot of stores. Find the Star Trek The Next Generation technical manual written by uh, Mike Okuda, and I believe it's Rick Sternbach. And um, take a look at that. You can learn a lot about the series and things they planned on doing Uh and things that they never had to talk about because they were like, at least we can write the ship to make sense in this way. <clears throat> so there's all kinds of little technical interest there. And every series has something like this, a technical manual devoted to the ships or the station or whatever. But uh, the one for Next Generation is unbelievably classy. All right, so he just said you do not seem happy. Um mm-hmm. One of my favorite classes, anthropology, uh, in at OU. One of the first things that when they describe, okay, you're here in anthropology, you have to take this sort of class. This is one of your electives, or you had to take it. Let's talk about anthropology. And he talked. Our our professor was like, he he pulled his mouth open in a smile. He's like, you see this? This is the universal human language for I am happy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a, th- a third world country, never experienced any sort of outside influence. You've been untouched for generations, thousands of years. Smile means happy. And then he holds his lips down and goes, this means I'm sad or I'm upset. And this means I'm angry. And, like, and 
He's like, you can make an emoticon for it. And, and then he's also, also all cultures, no matter where they are, murder is bad and incest is bad. Right. And that, that popped in my head that that was what data was calculating. Like uh, all of these algorithms I know for human expressions tell me that you are not happy at the moment. But why would he care? Because he doesn't wish to see anybody be displeased, especially someone who he has a but personal why? relationship with. It's a question. You know, you're asking whether or not he perceives everybody or you're saying everybody he perceives is. No, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this guy is more human than human. Oh, sure. He just doesn't, he just doesn't recognize it he, he refuses to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that may be one of the most beautiful things about him is he knows he's superior to us, but he wants to be us because he loves us. It, 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 it doesn't compute to me that he would not. Okay. You, you're, you look like you're upset. Why should I care? Think about it. Why well, should he care? Says, you know, I'm not going mean, to, you could have all kinds of machines. You could have all kinds of androids in this galaxy and uh, a lot of the oh. there, there's a, a really great story where Data and Lore leave the Federation together, and they go to a hidden planet in the neutral zone, knowing mm. that they won't be found there, and they create an entire android society, and they're all linked by um, their own personal like Wi-Fi or whatever, their own network, and. Mm. Data and Lore are the leaders of this society, and they know, yes, that they are better in a lot of ways than the people that are off-world from them, and it's the question of what number... It's it's a vote, basically. There's a, there's a living consensus with ebbing, ebbs and flows of do we believe in Lore or do we believe in Data as our leader by way right. of, do we think we need to operate this way with the uh, mortals off world and stuff like that? And we, um, we got to focus here. We got to yeah. focus here. This is important. This is an important uh, scene here. She wants to know. <clears throat> yeah. And he's not going to give it to her, and he wants to know why. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's kind of like I want to print since this. When, <laughs> since when would a since when when would a Vulcan look at you from the sides of their eyes? Because you're not a Vulcan. I mean, you know. Well, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> yeah. That's he acts point, more but... human than this Romulan acts like a Vulcan, and sh- and Vulcans and Romulans actually share an ancestry. I, I I've, I've read that now. I wish this was a uh, original series episode and they would just simply just trim the ears and redo the eyebrows. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, when you see the Romulans on this series, they gave them those like uh, pronounced forehead ridges. Yeah. But then you, what you don't know is that there is a third subspe- subset species of Romulans called Remans. And, Look uh, how courteous he was. He's still courteous. Oh yeah, of course. It's data. I don't. I he's don't genteel. believe that's part of his. I don't believe it's part of his programming. I just think he simply just 
is doing his best at all times. Well, I think he figured it out through trial and error. He went to Starfleet Academy. You know, he's he's 30 years old. He got it figured out. And once you've got it figured out, he doesn't fatigue. He doesn't get bitchy because he's hungry. He doesn't get he doesn't lose his cool. this is a this is a great scene okay her real name is cynthia and Mm -hmm. she only goes by cynthia when she wants to do productions of like dance broadway type stuff gates is her middle name that she uses only for movie roles where she's displaced from herself this was all orchestrated by her i read all about it Yep. And also to answer a question from a long, a long time ago, we had in one of our podcasts was the reason they got rid of her in the second season was because she had a, a falling out with a couple of the producers and the writers. And it was a personal call from um, Picard Patrick that, we want you, that we want you back. Man, I would man, there's got th- that information is probably out there somewhere. It was it was like a it was like a weird part of Wikipedia. I found it. Okay. Like because I I looked for it when I started season two. Like why isn't she there? I could not fucking find it, and I accidentally found it looking up who is doing this in this episode. Oh, I don't think that's Brent Spiner right there. Oh, it's absolutely not. The the no no not at all. Let him do the easy stuff there. <laughs> I don't think that's easy. You think about what this gentleman had to go through doing during this this moment with all that makeup on and and that wig. That's always a wig. Not because right. Brent, not because Brent is bald, but you know, it's easier to just have a wig on standby every day. Mm-hmm. Especially when right. you have to cake that makeup on and then put the hair on over it. The wig work on this show is spectacular. So uh, what we're looking at there is a guy that had to do that performance over and over and over again in multiple takes and control his sweating in that uniform. That's an amazing amount of work. Yeah, that does not look like a breathable it's polyester. More, it's more breathable than the uh, uh, the spandex that they were wearing in the first season, for sure. Yeah, I hated those weird V-necks they had. Oh, yeah, the open diamond-shaped necks. I couldn't possibly tolerate that with my... Uh, I get cold around my neck. That's why I wear scarves a lot. I love the Mandarin-style collar. Love it, too. This gets me here. You know, if you got stepped, if you got your foot stepped on by, by Data, you think he actually probably weighs at least 300 pounds, you know? He is Wolverine weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine, I think, is a lot more. I mean, he's got the um, adamantium. Adamantium weighs a lot more. I think they've said, like, he'd be a lot fat. I've read it a few different places. He'd be a lot faster if it wasn't for the adamantium. Mm. I just adore this woman. I just want to be her friend and never curse in front of her and, (laughs) and show up in a nice... Like, you know, like if she's having a dinner party, make sure I've got like a nice went to express and got a nice new shirt and 
and figuring out some recipe for some some random thing to make sure that I didn't disappoint her at her dinner party or something like that. She just she's just so fucking classy to me. Yeah, she's really something else. I it really it just gets to me. Yeah, she's I I really I don't I, mean, I like the idea that she went away to be the head of Starfleet Medical for a year. But then why would she leave? Like, who goes away and does something like that for a year and then doesn't stay there? Somebody gets a prestigious position like that. That's a whole thing, you know? Despite what we know in the real world aspect of uh, her um, departure the from the series wearing, for a minute. The women are wearing <laughs> onesies, aren't they? Uh, more often than not, yeah. They're not tucking the... The shirt's down constantly. That's one thing. That no, you doing. never see a lady with a uh, uniform top like Data is wearing. Yeah, they've got that like 90s bottom like. Like uh, wrist cuff, like on a on a on a sweater, mm. but they're at the they're at the bottom of the of the torso. Look at this smile. I love this. Oh, love the smile. <laughs> you know, they cut that scene out. It's one of my favorite weird scenes from the uncut version of the Skynet version of Terminator 2 when they're at the uh, hamburger stand on their way to Mexico on their way through Mexico to get the guns yeah. and they're getting some hamburgers and he's like hey just you know you gotta you know be human smile and he like analyzes this guy's face and he smiles and he struggles with it and it's like yeah no don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah I recall that dude's hair is awesome I am going to check this out, but I'm pretty sure that that actress I made reference to earlier is Patricia Tallman. Why are the women Vulcan dress garbs so overly ordained than what the men's are? That doesn't make sense to me. Um... I don't know, dude. You got to watch Star Trek: The Motion Picture when you see the three Vulcans in the. Uh, I have, I have, but it just doesn't make sense to me that they would be that decorative. Oh, Sarek is always very decorative, except when he's considerably dressed down. Um, check out the Vulcans in all in like Star Trek Four and uh, uh, a variety of places. I, I even Star Trek Six, they have this strange look like that. <clears throat> Trisha. I love how the ship just responds to him immediately. No hesitation. This is stupid, but I feel that way in the morning when like, I don't know what time it is. And I'm like, is it, am I late for work or am I early? And I just say, Siri, what time is it? It is 6, 10 AM. It's early. <laughs> Like, oh, thank God, I got two more hours. There is no established protocol for a meeting of this nature. The logical course is that I transport aboard your ship and begin the negotiation. This was pretty ingenious. What the ingenious uh, ruse? <laughs> Did you ever go to the Omniplex and play with the uh, electric snow globe? Oh yeah. There's one that's part of the uh, instrumentation on the Romulan bridge there. <laughs> They did one on The Simpsons where it was the uh, sperm simulator, and uh, <laughs> and it was uh, you, you get into one of the uh, Star Wars uh, 
like a battle gun from the uh, for fucking uh, Millennium Falcon, and you're you're trying to ovulate the egg. Oh, that's wacky! <laughs> you were you were out of sperm. <laughs> hey, baby, remember me? <laughs> that's odd to me that they have like wooden like ornaments type thing like like that's obviously wood oh it is yeah it's supposed to be and then when you look in the corridors around the hallways uh there's wooden handrails everywhere which kind of makes sense i mean if you're on a ship like that and they take a hit you want to have something to hold on to so you can continue your trajectory down the down the corridor <clears throat> yeah but why not metal i think that we see metal on some of the oberth class interiors and uh in some other instances, but um, even on the Constitution class Enterprise A in like Star Trek six and Star Trek two. But, uh, you know, it's just when you look at the original sketch drawings of what they intended to do for the development of these sets, there was this idea that this would be spacious compared to previous uh, bridge sets that they'd done even more spacious than it actually is in its practical development. So um, the idea was always, let's do something where they're in touch with nature and technology and science uh, simultaneously. So having, having stained lumber makes a lot of sense to me. Even this set doesn't look too... It looks high-tech, but it doesn't look, you know, space TV series for some reason. It's practical. It's a practical build. Just like the aesthetic. Yeah, man. Adding a little touch of lumber. I mean, go to a Starbucks, you know? You have these countertops that are... What? I don't know. There's some kind of, like, veneer-covered thing, unless they are actual granite laid in or something like that. And then you turn around and there's a a place to set your cup or lean and it'll be made out of wood. You know, the argument or the comp, I guess not the argument, the um, complaint I've heard a lot of people say is that the Enterprise D is basically like a Hilton in space or an apartment complex. It is the most comfortable ship you could be on when the original series came out. It was in the 60s where when we saw people going to space, they were in tiny, cramped capsules wearing spacesuits and things that were monitoring their life functions. And they had to wear helmets and bulky gloves to do a spacewalk. And when you watch Star Trek, the original series, they're wearing velour. They're wearing pants with, like, you know, pirate boots and stuff like that. They are comfortable. They're free to move. It's not a big deal. And then they're colorful because it was the beginning of color TV. And that translates into this series too. This is arguably way more comfortable. The 24th century is when, when they have space travel figured out. Now they don't, it's not as if they don't occasionally run into problems, but we only ever see them sweating once or twice, you know? Leave it to the Klingons to have ships with decks that don't have carpet. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I imagine it to be just metal great. It's all metal. It's all underlit. You know, go to Battlestar Galactica if you don't want something that's comfortable. That is a battleship right there. And they have wide hallways. They have all kinds of stuff. You know, they've got it all very... It's it's a lot more U.S. Navy. Or go to Enterprise. That is the perfect production design. That is the blend between contemporary space travel as we have it now and what we would see transition to what exists before the original series. You go in and look at their console displays and that is what it looks like on the space shuttle now. Disappointingly, the space shuttle is grounded. His love of Sherlock Holmes, just, I love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I did find it questionable that she was questioning him. Who? If if he Pell or Doctor B- Crusher? Crusher, she's questioning him. He he's got a theory. Just test it out. Don't argue with him. You would have gotten data. to the answer. Yeah, it's data. He's got an idea. Don't don't say we've run every test now. And then oh wait, there's this one. <laughs> I don't even remember what it is that he does here. Uh, he's looking for the actual uh, remnant fraction, oh. like molecular compounds of what she is. Yeah. That was actually out there. That rotating console display was another one of the devices that we had. Uh, it had been altered for use in uh, Voyager. And um, I don't think it had its Starfleet appeal anymore. I think it was last used in uh, uh, a Voyager episode where they they doctored it up to... That was not a pun. Doctored it up to look alien. (laughs) But it was heavy. So they reused a lot of the stuff. Oh, man. They reused everything. Did you ever watch that... uh, Did you ever watch Airplane 2? And, and Bill Shatner is trying to guide the space shuttle in for a landing. And he comes in and he's looking at the set and he's like, what does this thing do? Uh, it just <laughs> blinks, sir. Okay, well, what does this thing do? All this is is red <laughs> bars. There's one device of just of like sequenced red lights in that are neon or something like that. They're tube lights that actually make appearances in Star Trek. <laughs> Of course, they've seen airplane too. Oh yeah, bring it in, bring it in, easy there. <laughs> There's like the roof is blown off. He's still somehow alive in naked space. <laughs> oh yeah, striker, striker, striker. Hmm. <laughs> What do you think it was like to engage with Data? As a character? No, if you were actually on the ship. Yeah, if we were on the ship as with... Oh, man. I mean, if you were not one of the bridge crew... uh, Dude, I'll tell you what. You're going to see an episode coming up very soon. Redemption Parts 1 and 2. And you're going to be able to get that question answered. You're going to encounter a character who does not appreciate a synthetic life form being put in command of a starship. And uh, 
No, I just mean like if you're just a regular Joe Schmo on, on, on the ship, like is he intimidating? Is he someone that you're you're just hoping to bump into and get to talk to? Because not I for think the if novelty you're a crew member it. on the Enterprise, the opportunity to work with any of these bridge officers, you're looking at the best in the fleet, period. Right. And absolutely data period. definitely plays into that, but he's also a lieutenant commander. So think about it. Dr. Crusher outranks him. Uh, there have got to be other multiple three, three rank commanders out there and other people who rank the same as data. See, it's like they say in Band of Brothers, you salute the rank, not the man, if it's hard for you to do that. But data is probably somebody that is an accessible person. Um, and like, you know, you, we that's see good, him, he's genteel. There's what, 1100 people crewing this ship? Including children? Yeah, I Here wonder about go. the... Uh, Oh, yeah. Here I, we go. Yeah, here she is. <laughs> well, not, I'm not going to show you. I need to redo. Somebody redid her game card at one point, I think. That 90s awesome haircut. Who, that guy in the the, uh, the con or the uh, helm officer there? Yeah. Yeah. Did they like every time they like reshot any scene, some guy went up and just cleaned every panel to um, erase any, any glare, any fingerprint? It depends on the camera angle. Me being me having been an onset dresser many times, that would be the job of the onset dresser. And the onset dresser needs to be able to see into the monitor what you're filming. Uh, to be able to see if there are any problems. But this is not in the age of having a monitor on every camera or on the DIT cart or whatever. This is in the age of film. This show was shot on film. So you might not get to see if there was a problem in, in the dailies uh, right. until it was until it came back. So you had better have your act together. You know, yeah, maybe there are fingerprints everywhere, but if you've got a straight-on shot of data and... Uh, you, if you're the onset dresser and you've got a good relationship with your DP or whoever happens to be camera operating that day, you'd be like, hey, what are we going to see? We're going to see Worf in a, in a two-button shot here. Or, like, look at Picard there. That's definitely a mid, you'd say, like, that's a mid-height shot right. uh, of Picard. When you say how many buttons, you're like, how many buttons down if your shirt happened to be, happened to be a button front shirt? Uh, or if you'd say... You'd say we're we're doing a cowboy because that meant you'd be shooting to see the frame from the uh, from the hips up where the guns would be, you know. Um, so that that tells you a lot about how you're gonna how much the onset dresser needs to to take care of business. But I I'm guessing that a lot of uh, a lot of glass cleaner, even though that stuff is not glass, and a lot of uh, Microfiber towels probably went into that because paper towels would have added scratches to that light to that Lexan on all those panels. And uh, if you sprayed too much spray on it all, you run the risk of that stuff bleeding down, running down the panel, bleeding through the crevasse and then seeping up onto the translite behind. And then you have to replace it. That'd be costly and time consuming. Here we go. The wedding's (laughs) finally happening. Yeah. What a beautiful dress. Beautiful dress. They're still acknowledging traditional Asian culture here. I know. Look at the traditional 
cut of this dress with a 24th century styling that shiny this Japanese iridescent quality. Yeah, she's Japanese. That this is just gorgeous. This is one of the best redresses of 10 forward ever. What an honor to have Picard. Oh, I know. There's an episode of the original series where Captain Kirk gets to uh, to perform an, uh, a wedding with between some of his uh, officers. It's called Operation Annihilate. It's an intense episode. And Mark Lennard, who played Spock's father in the episode Sarek of the original series that you saw, is in right. that episode. He plays the first Romulan we ever get to see on screen. I read that. Yeah. It was tragic. It's a tragic loss when Mark Lennard passed away. I mean, there's so much television and so much Star Trek history there. What is going through his mind right there? He's, I guarantee, over a th- 1,000 different items simultaneously. The episode that I was just talking about coming up, when Data has a girlfriend, you're gonna you're gonna wonder you're gonna you're gonna be able to answer that question based on how that episode ends. Oh, he turned into a pretty decent dancer. Yeah, he did. I love it. This is one of my favorite episodes. So yeah, if you're looking for oh, I love this scene. Yeah. We're getting ready to start a war across the neutral zone and a life was coming into being here. Shut up, asshole. <laughs> Be quiet around babies. The war is child. <laughs> so it's Mexican. Like, come on, pick a better name. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Why would you, you know, you rarely, I think you see one person of Middle East descent in all of Star Trek, maybe two. Uh, you yeah, have... it said it said the Juarez child. I'm saying that like you you like the correct way like because you hear Johnny Cash say I got caught in Juarez, Mexico. He actually it's pronounced Juarez, Mexico, and like it's a Mexican kid, and you're just gonna name it Juarez. Okay, like come on, try harder. It's Star Trek. Oh come on, I th- I get that, but like think about the uh, the how much how many different cultures, how many different uh, accents you could have on a starship like this. You're not just talking about Earth where we can't even get it right. We've got aliens galore. But the one, one, one of the things I really appreciate about Discovery is how many different aliens we see on the ship. Uh, and they're really going balls to the wall on Commander Soru. That's that's a lot. It's it's already so much to put Worf and Data on this show dressed up like it is. And of course, Troy is always wearing those overly dark contact lenses. I'm going to stop it here. <clears throat> yeah, me too. That was such a great way to watch that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just it's a whole thing trying to do uh, do what you've got to do with all these different aliens. And I think that that's uh, that's part of why. I can forgive mispronunciation of names and stuff like that. Look at us. We not can't the, even... How many times are we reading the credits in comic books and we are butchering it's, it? It's not the mis, mispronunciation of the name. I'm just saying, like, if it's a little Mexican kid, you're going to name it the Juarez kid. Okay. <laughs> Data doesn't know his name or her name. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you see all of these great inclusive moments in Star Trek. Uh, the captain of the Yorktown at the beginning of Star Trek Four, he was from India. Uh, we also saw the first black lady captain on the Saratoga. Uh, you've got, you just run into people. It's not all, it's not all white men and white women running things in Star Trek. You know, that's the beauty of it. You see a lot of diversity. That is a really good part of it. It really fucking is. Even more right. now in, in discovery, it's a very, very contemporary show. And, uh, I, there's a lot of complaints about that online. I don't think seeing everything that the world and all of the Federation has to offer is a bad thing. Just, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've got a complaint about that because I didn't pick up on it until I started watching it. Uh, or until I started, I'm sorry. I didn't pick up on that until I started hearing complaints about it online. And I'm not woke. I'm just who I am. (laughs) I'm just, uh, I happen to be a identified as a Christian white Male, single, heterosexual. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a lot of what people don't seem to like right now. But you know, I love you, Star Trek. Yeah, thank you, buddy. I love you too, my Mexican, my Mexican best friend. I'm a Mexican and not a Mexican. There you go. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. this is a great episode. This is included in the data collection. If you are uh, trying to find this on DVD. Uh, it was collected. They, they did the Captain Kirk collection, the Q collection, the Borg collection. I have the Klingon collection. It was a gift. And, um, I have watched it a lot because those Klingon episodes are top notch. And, uh, um, they always are the, uh, the data collection includes this episode and measure of a man that we brought up earlier. Uh, I believe it has data lore, some other things on it. I guess I could look it up, but I'm going to say if you're looking for stuff that's specifically data, go to Memory Alpha, type his name in, and you're going to see a ton of stuff, but you're going to see the very data-heavy episodes listed there. And uh, look for the data collection. It's it's worth it to just watch his episodes because I think those are more telling about humanity. It's like It's like when you go learn a foreign language and you suddenly learn what prepositions are. And you're like, I didn't even know that existed, but now I know more about the English language because I'm studying Spanish or Russian for that matter. Right. uh, Yeah, man. Yeah. What's your takeaway here? Good question. Uh, It's, it's a nice different perspective to see that even though data is almost infallible, that he's constantly trying, constantly trying. And I think that's something that most humans really need to use in their day-to-day life is to not get tired of constantly trying to I don't care if you have a bad day it doesn't justify being an asshole in any way it doesn't matter what's happening to data he will always be polite he will always think of the best solution he will always think of the best way to 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 help everyone other than himself yeah and and then in conjunction with the fact that he has a cat (laughs) totally and that's not like I would do anything to have my cat back, but it's part of the human experience to have yeah. a pet. Uh, if you can't have a kid, I mean, you know, he had lol and I dude, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be another episode that's on, uh, on the data's collection. That episode brings me to tears every single time. Um, I watched it twice. It did. It did both times. 
yeah, it's 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 agonizing to see that admiral come out of the science lab and uh almost he's he's struggling over saying what he needs to say. I anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's another one. Guys, watch the data episodes. Seriously, even if you've seen them a million times, take the time to just sit down and watch data episodes. And I'm going to say go to the point of watching Star Trek Nemesis as well. That's a very data heavy movie. And uh it oh, that unfortunately I think that that side plot with data in that movie overloads the script and makes that movie over long. But the movie was about duality and uh I don't know. I figured if they could eh, I don't know. We I don't know if we needed another data brother, but uh uh they could have just brought lore out and that would have been way more entertaining. But uh whatever. So yeah, man. This is a, this is a classic. This is I think it, this is I don't remember how many episodes of Star Trek Next Generation there are, but uh in fact, let's figure it out. But um I got to say this has got to be in the this is a top 20 episode, probably better than that even. It's was definitely one of those. Got anything else to say on this, man? Um, let's see. Yeah, what do you yeah, no, let's do our ranking system. What rank do you want to give this? Ensign, Ooh. Lieutenant JG, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander, Commander Captain. Mm. Lieutenant Commander for sure. I think you're right. Uh, that was, was that was where I was going was, with it. There was there was no wasted moment. There was no wasted bit of dialogue. There was no oh, random man. thing that shouldn't have happened. Every scene was packed to the absolute gills. Just everything mattered. His interactions. The only the only thing I could have hoped for was a little bit more interaction with uh, Jordy, Guinan, and Troy. And uh-huh. Riker, if they would have, if they would have like had like an individual scene, if they would could have, even if it's three minutes, four minutes, uh, trimmed some of the fat, uh, which there wasn't any, so there wasn't really any room to do it. If they had like twenty more minutes, because he got his wharf scene, he got his crusher scene, he's got his Picard scene. He didn't I have want a, some more. He didn't have a good Jordy scene. You're right, or not a really good one. Just that quick one, like hey, you know, next time let me do it. Yeah. Um, Guinan, oh, I love. Oh, Guinan would have been good in this. Absolutely. That if 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 that had happened, I think that would have bumped it up to top spot. Huh, man, it's a wacky thing because I know that you know Whoopi Goldberg. You know, God bless her. I know she's having some health issues right now, but she's back on TV again. Uh, she should she should have been the one to tell him. Listen, you shouldn't like next time you've got to deliver like news like that you need to think like this and in in her you know cryptic way that she does and then next time this happens you know make damn sure you know how to dance right um you know something i don't know i mean i i dig but i feel like for one thing the 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 schedule of being able to have Whoopi goldberg in every episode is it is improbable it's just not something that you can do you You've got to roll her out three or four times a season and uh, give her some time in the special episodes, you know? And I don't, you know, her scheduling, if you're going to have a scene in 10 forward, does it have to have Guinan? No, she's not always no. there. But um, I think this is crammed with good stuff. 
And uh, I do think that Jordy could have had a little bit more of a moment in there. Hmm. It's intense to believe that there's like this whole A plot with Data and then there's this B plot with Romulans and Brinksmanship, you know, a spy transfer. I was going to say a second ago, uh, this is uh, this is definitely a top 20 episode, in my opinion. And uh, it, it is a uh, it, there's 176 episodes in TNG. So when you think about what you could possibly cram into that top 20, this is that's tough. That's a real that's a real tough argument. Mm. Anyway, but even then, it was still great. It was yeah, still great. Awesome. I'm glad we I, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to us talk fill in any information that you might not have known and have a different perspective from a couple of writers and uh got anything left to add before we uh tune out no man let's uh let's do it let's beam out of here thanks for everything everybody and uh we can't wait to talk to you again soon appreciate it see to beam up But yeah, there was probably 300 people there for that show. The second show I was at, probably 250. Last show, probably about the same. Signs. Um, oh, yeah. Can you drink there? No. Yeah. They don't serve alcohol there. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't think so. I, they, there's workarounds where like you t- you like contribute to a charity and you get a beer or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but, unless, uh, the, unless the promotion is like in a bar, mm-hmm. it's not very often that you find that they serve alcohol. Well, fuck, it's Colorado, man. Just get blazing your car. And then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what is it? Is it, uh, God damn, what's that new promotion? The main event or whatever? Who is it that does that? Uh, I'm not familiar with it right now, brother. No? I'm sorry. There was a new promotion that just started here that's like 420 based. Cool. Yeah, I think it's an outdoor <laughs> venue and everybody can just get blazed. So if that's your thing, <laughs> it's not, look for it. It's not, but I like watching people enjoy themselves and... Uh, I prefer people smoking than getting fucked up drunk. Yeah. Well, and the issue is, especially with indie wrestling, because the heels are far more involved with the crowd. Mm-hmm. If you get some dude that's wasted and you're giving yeah. him shit, and he jumps in the ring, that dude's going to have a bad night. Yeah. We, uh, we're we actually writing a comic book, uh, a wrestling comic book. I'm writing it. My buddy uh, Gunther, he's drawing it. I'll show it to you. It's yeah, for sure. want to see. But uh, it's the first thing that happens is uh, some dumbass... Decides to go into the ring. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's that guy that jumped in with Stone Cold Triple H. How that went for him? Oh yeah. <laughs> the one was that the one in Germany? Was that the one I in? I don't Ger- remember where it was. I, I think it was the one in Germany. I just <laughs> remember Triple H German suplex that dude on his head, and him <laughs> and that ref just kicked the shit out of that guy. Yep. 
Or the guy that jumped Bret Hart. Oh, dude. That dude got fucked up, too. Yeah, in and out of the ring. <laughs> he got lucky, that guy, too, because I don't know if you saw it, but I went back and watched a couple of times because obviously they had the, the rope was missing from the, the front side, and Ronda yeah. Rousey and Travis Brown were sitting right Travis there. wasn't having that shit. No, but that guy <laughs> jumped in, and Travis ran up there and was, like, this close to catching him and, like, tripped over the, the podium mm-hmm. that they were standing at. So he didn't grab him right away, but I was like, dude, if that guy would have grabbed you, you would literally probably be dead because it's Travis Brown. I don't care what his UFC record is. That dude would mollywop just about anybody. He, that guy got lucky. He got out. Yeah. That guy got real lucky. But yeah, um, I think we're good, brother. I actually got to get going. I'm sorry to cut this, but uh, I know you got to get another time, man. Oh, no. Yeah, we're definitely another time, man. Yeah, yeah we, we usually cut this around like one an hour to like hour and 30, but I actually have to get going. But uh, how do we find you on uh, social media? Facebook right now, um, under Damon Ace. Uh, I'm working on my Twitter right now, so that will be up. And then I'm working on my Instagram as well. So right now, just Facebook, but once once I get those two up, obviously I'll post them on my Facebook, so then you guys can follow me there. Right on. Yeah, this will be running uh, by tomorrow night. Uh, everyone, It's uh, today's the May 30th. Yes, sir. Eight days from now, or nine days from now. Nine days. Eight. Come down to New Era and watch... Me and Jason all kick some ass. My high comics, not yes, not sir. not the little store, the big ass, the big uh, warehouse, the big warehouse by the stadium, guys. Uh, but we appreciate you uh, taking the time to let us uh, entertain you for a bit, uh, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure to yeah, talk man. to you. It yeah. was so fun. I had yeah. a great time. All right, Thank well, you very much. Well, well, mine fills over now, guys. Take it easy.